Well, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're in part two of a series that we started last week called Life Lifters. And we're looking at three specific characteristics of what a life lifter is truly all about. We're not only learning about what a life lifter does, but ultimately who a life lifter truly is. And last week in part one, we learned the first characteristic of a life lifter is someone who has the spirit of a selfless servant. And speaking of, speaking of selfless servants, last week, we had an army of people right here at Rethink Life Church who literally are life lifters, who was used of God in an incredible way to do something in really in conjunction with hundreds, if not thousands of churches all over America that were serving for National Serve Day. And it was awesome to know that really just a collection of churches representing literally um, places all over the U.S. where people were coming together, the body of Christ, serving their cities to make a, a greater impact and to make a difference, to be the light in these days of darkness. And I just want to share with you just a, a brief highlight of what God did through our life lifters here at Rethink Life Church. As a matter of fact, it was awesome to know that, you know, even in this situation and set of circumstances that we're in with the COVID-19 crisis, so many people honestly are still a little apprehensive about getting out and obviously just the fear and the concerns about being exposed to people or, or you know, even just some who are just feeling maybe just depressed or discouraged, maybe feeling somewhat um, you know, isolated in their homes because of everything going on. We just wanted to give hope. We wanted to come alongside and be light to their hearts and into their homes and to do little things as a church that ultimately would become big ways of touching people's lives. And let me share with you how God used the little things to make out, to make a big impact on the lives of people. First of all, one of the things that our people did is we wrote thank you uh, notes, just handwritten notes notes to, and, and actually in multiple languages, which was really awesome to people that are on the front lines, some of the doctors and nurses and uh, essential workers and first responders. And so we just wanted to give them words of affirmation and encouragement, letting them know we're standing with them, we're praying with them, and we're here to support them during these difficult times. Another thing that we did is we put together care packs and some of those care packs were actually used to uh, give to the homeless. We gave out water bottles and care packs just to show the love of Jesus to those who are less fortunate. Another thing that we did is we actually prepared home kits for our adventure week, which is coming up here in, in a couple of weeks. And we were putting together all the supplies and the goodies for the kids are going to be involved in this an incredible uh, outreach and, and an awesome event, which by the way, moms and dads, I want to encourage you, don't do it right now, but make sure you, whatever you do before the sun goes down, go to rethinklife.com backslash adventure week and sign your kids up. It's a free life-changing week designed just for your kids and we're doing it virtual style. So make sure you sign your kids up. It was awesome to know that we could come alongside to support our Life Kids Children's Ministry as well. And then here's something I'm really proud of, and that is the fact that because of the financial generosity of God's people through Rethink Life Church, we were able to give over 14,000 meals already this year and over this past week, coming alongside Second Harvest Food Bank, supporting them, blessing them so they in turn can be a blessing to those in need. And then over $31,000 to date has already been given financially to support local, national, and global missions. So come on, let's give God yeah. a round of applause and man, thank 
um, him for all that he's done and really is how he has truly used the people of Rethink Life that we refer to as life lifters. And that is truly what I believe sets our life lifters apart. They truly are selfless servants, just really just putting the white towel of servanthood over their arms to just really serve, to bless, to give back and to help meet needs and be a blessing. And I think honestly, now more than ever, because of the times in which we're living, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, are de- feeling confused, defeated. A lot of people are just uh, living in maybe in fear because of, you know, the kind of the uptick of new corona cases, coronavirus cases that are happening um, across the country and even right here in central Florida. And so with that, in this season of difficulty, we just feel like it's our responsibility as a church to be the church, to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. And one of the things that I loved, and you'll see in these pictures here that we're putting there on the screen for you, some of our team wearing our Life Lifter bright blue shirts. And what's awesome is to know that, you know, even in this dark season, those shirts were just kind of helping bring hope and light to people in so many different ways. And, you know, we as a body of believers are also, in fact, the Bible says that we are a peculiar group of people. In other words, we're to stand out. We're not to blend in. We're to stand out and we're to make an impact. And that's truly what being a selfless servant, a life lifter is all about. And so grateful for what God has done and all that he's continuing to do. Now, today we're talking about the second characteristic of what a life lifter is all about. And you're ready for this. I believe one of the most powerful characteristics of a life lifter is that of an individual who has the heart that it would be referred to as an extravagant giver. Because you see, a life lifter truly is an extravagant giver. It's not something that they just do. No, it's truly who they are. It's their perspective. It's their, really, it's their attitude about really the whole issue of being a generous person. They have a generous spirit, a generous heart. And so again, it's not just something they do. It's truly a reflection of who they are because in their heart of hearts, they want to give knowing that what God has given to them and entrusted to them, God wants to take it and use it so that they can be a blessing to other people. Now here at Rethink Life, we have six core values that are very near and dear to our hearts. And one of the things that we have as a core value value is a phrase that goes like this, and that is generosity is our way. And again, we want to be known not just because of something that we do, but ultimately because really of who we are. We are made up of, you know, men and women, teenagers, boys and girls, a body of believers And at the end of the day, because we serve a generous God, God so loved he gave, we just want to mimic our maker. We want to be generous in our hearts because we want that just to exude out of our lives. Why? Because God is a giver. And because God is a giver, we too want generosity just to be our way of life. The way we think, the way we talk, with our time, our talent, our treasures, ultimately just how we live our lives. We want people to see us and to see our hearts for being a group of generous people. So with that in mind, I love what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. It says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. 
I love that. And here's the thing that I think is so powerful about that specific principle, and that is this. You know, if you ever find yourself maybe feeling down in the dumps, maybe this whole COVID-19 crisis has had a significant impact on you. Maybe, you know what, maybe you've been without a job. Maybe you're one of those individuals who have just been going through a difficult season financially. Maybe you know someone who's going through a hard time in their life financially. And because of the hardships that so many people are facing and the challenges that seem to be coming against them, and to be honest with you, I mean, I've even had my own moments where you feel just like, God, what in the world is going on? And you have those moments where you start feeling maybe somewhat doubtful or fearful. You have those moments of uncertainty. You have those moments where you're beginning to question or maybe second guess about, you know, your situation and your circumstances. And God, how are we going to get through this crisis that we're facing? God, how are we going to get, how are we as a family going to get through the end of the month with no money coming in? And those are very real concerns. Those are very real emotions that I feel, you feel, that we all feel. Yeah. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. I believe with all of my heart, based on that verse of scripture that we just read in Proverbs chapter 11. You see, if we really want to lift other people up, then the best way that we can lift ourselves up is by lifting God up and lifting others up. Because when we lift God up and lift others up, we are the ones who are refreshed. We're the ones who are lifted up. In other words, we're the ones who begin to feel more secure and confident because we not just are reminded about who we are, but whose we are in Christ. That we are loved by God and we are in his hands. And he's got us. He's going to hold us in his, in his hands and he's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us and he is going to protect us. So here's what I want us to understand. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, which, by the way, is the only time you actually see Jesus being quoted in the book of Acts. And it's interesting because here's what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than what? Than to receive. I always like to say it this way. The hole that you give through is the hole that you receive through. Let me put it to you another way. In other words, the more you give the more you're going to receive, the more blessed you're going to be in return. And so it's important that we understand that we cannot outgive God. Yeah. And so God wants us as life lifters, because it's one of the traits or characteristics that truly sets us apart as a peculiar group of people. It is the fact that we as believers, guess what? We have the opportunity to be extravagant in the way that we give. So with that in mind, here's what I want to just kind of give you as a little illustration to drive this point home even further. Because for a lot of us, we have a hard time sometimes understanding why we need to give monetarily or financially to God. And I think sometimes we have this mindset of thinking, well, maybe God is hurting financially. You know, maybe God needs some financial help from us. Maybe we need to spare him a little bit of, you know, extra change that we can lend his way. No, God's not struggling financially. God's not in a state of panic, wondering. He's not running around heaven trying to figure out how he's going to get through the week. No, God is the ultimate provider. Everything we have and everything we are is all from God anyway. But here's the thing you need to understand. The principle and the truth that I really want you to, I think just most importantly, embrace today is that 
you know what? God has blessed us so much. He gave his one and only son. He gave his first and his best. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could be forgiven of our sin, so that we could have salvation, so that we could be repurposed in this life that God ultimately has prepared and planned for us. He's not only prepared a place for us in heaven that he wants us to spend forever with him in this place that he has you know, created in an amazing way for us, that eternal home. But here's the other thing. He wants us to live our lives in such a way to where we don't live in fear, but ultimately we live in faith with confidence, knowing that God is going to bless us as long as we return back to him what he has graciously given to us. I'll never forget years ago when our youngest, our son Luke, um, was actually still in that um, stage in his life where he was in a car seat. I'll never forget, we were going through a gas station. I went through this convenience store. Was, I think it was like maybe like a racetrack. And I went into um, the, uh, the store there, the convenience store, after I filled up the, the car there with gas. And, um, and because Luke had been a good boy, I wanted to do something you know, nice for him. And I knew he loved these little, these little candies called nerds. Now, I don't know if you like nerds as much as I do, but Luke loved nerds at the time. And so I went, got him a box of nerds, and I'll never forget it, got in the car. And, and so I gave him these nerds. So here he is strapped in his car seat and uh, he opens up the box and he begins to eat those nerds. And after a few minutes, you know, he's got little, you know, green, blue, slimy, sticky, you know, syrupy, you know, just, you know, saliva coming down his shirt. And I, so as I'm looking at him through the rear view mirror, I said, Luke, I said, I want some nerds. And so I reached back and I asked him to put some nerds in my hand. And when and I reached back to have him put some nerds in my hand. Here's what he did. He grabbed that box of nerds and he held it tight to his chest. And he, he started shaking his head. They're like, no, 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 no. And I said, come on, Luke, give me some nerds. And he just kept holding on to those nerds. Like, no, 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 no. I said, Luke, give me some nerds. And he just kept holding tightly to those nerds. And I thought to myself, well, you little nerd. <laughs> so I thought to myself, Wow. I mean, are you for real? I mean, is this the way you're going to treat me? I went in there and got you something. I blessed you with something you actually wanted, and that was some nerds. And yet all I wanted was just a few in return. And what did I get? I got that, that response of saying, no, no. And unfortunately and sadly, that is kind of the same scenario that happens with a lot of people, even inside the church, when it comes to the mindset of this concept of giving. Because God has a way of saying, hey, I've given you so much. I've given you my one and only son. I've given you salvation. I've given you forgiveness. I've given you the eternal security of a home called heaven. I've given you new hope, new life, new purpose. I've blessed you. I've given you all these things. All I'm asking you to do is return to me a percentage of what I've already blessed you with. 
Now, at the time, what my son did not know is that those, those, those nerds, technically, they did not belong to him. They actually belonged to me. I bought them with my money. I just gave them to him out of the kindness of my heart to bless him with some nerds. But what he didn't understand is that not only did I buy those nerds, therefore they belonged to me, but another thing he didn't understand is that if, if, if I truly wanted to, I could have reached back. I could have stopped the car. I could have reached back, and I could have taken those nerds away from him if I wanted to. He also didn't realize that if I wanted to, because I had the ability, I could have gone back to the racetrack and I could have bought all the nerds they had in that whole store and I could have just gone and just rained nerds down on him all day long. If I wanted to, I had the ability to do that. But that's the kind of the response that many of us have when it comes to this whole concept of giving. God is saying, return back to me a percentage of what I've blessed you with. And what happens, many of us have that mindset of saying, no, 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 no. I want to hang on to it because this is mine. So with that in mind, whether it's our resources or whether it is maybe our time, maybe it's just being generous with our words, or maybe it's just having the opportunity to speak life in such a way to where we are life lifters. Why? Because of the extravagant generosity of who we are. So regardless of where you might be at this moment in your life, I realize that, again, for many of you that are watching this message today, and I appreciate once again you joining us online, and I realize for some of you, you're going through a difficult time financially. Some of you are living in fear of thinking, you know, I don't know that I have anything to give. I want to give, but I'm not at a place where I can give. And I understand but I want to share with you what I believe are three important mindsets that many people, in fact, I'd be safe to say we all fall probably in one of these three camps. And here are three specific mindsets that I just want to share with you today. And, and, and before I share these three mindsets with you, let me just say something that I think is really important. In fact, I want to read a passage of scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 9 and verse 11. And these are the words that the apostle Paul wanted to remind us with. He said, remember this. He said, whoever sows, sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion or pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. So in essence, the attitude or the spirit of a life lifter, their mindset when it comes towards this issue of generosity, they see it as something that they that they don't that they they, they they don't see it as something they have to do. They see it as something they get to yeah. do. It's just who they are. It's because of what's in their heart, because they have the spirit of generosity. It just comes out of them naturally. Now, notice in verse 9 what Paul emphasized, because here, here's what happens when we are generous. Notice what God promises to do in return. He said, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things... I don't know, you know, what all things may mean to you, but just know that all things means what? All things. So in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And then in verse 11, he said, and you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, notice this. It will result in thanksgiving to God. Amen. Now, I want you to picture this for just a moment. Amen. Picture yourself giving of your time, 
giving of your talents to the Lord, giving of your financial treasures, but being a life lifter because of your extravagant generosity. Think about the way that you give and think about what you give, God taking it, using it to impact people's lives. And those people whose lives were impacted are giving praise and thanks to God because of the needs that were met in their life through your generosity. That's the power of a generous and extravagant, generous heart. And so here are three mindsets. And the first, if you take your notes, is this, and that is what I refer to as a bag mindset. In other words, the person who has a bag mindset is someone who has the, maybe the mindset of thinking to themselves, well, I just never have enough. In other words, there's just never enough. There's never enough in the bank. There's just never enough in my checking account. There's just never enough to go around to meet, you know, all the financial obligations that I have, or there's just not enough time in my schedule. I just don't have enough to be able to give. I want to give, I'd like to give, but unfortunately there's just not enough. You know what that is? That's also referred to as a scarcity mindset. Here's what the scripture says in the book of Haggai. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 6, says, You harvest less than you plant. You never have enough to eat or drink. Your clothes don't keep you warm, and your wages are stored in bags full of holes. <laughs> Sound familiar? Have you ever found yourself kind of maybe making this statement, Man, it, where does the money go? You know, there's just too much month at the end of the money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so what happens a lot of times in those situations, we have this mindset of thinking, well, I'd love to give. I want to give, but I can't give because I don't have anything to give. And as a result, because of a scarcity mindset, our struggle is, is that I have to hold on to what I have because there's not enough left in order to give out to anyone else. And I just believe with all of my heart, if we're going to be the life lifters that God, I believe, is calling us to be, people who have a selfless heart of a servant, a person who has that extravagant heart of generosity, we have to move away from this scarcity mindset, that, that mindset of where we're holding the bag that is filled with holes, where everything that comes in just goes right back out, and we think, where in the world did it all go? And that's the current reality, unfortunately, where many people live. And one of the reasons why some never get out of that rut is simply because they're still trying to hold on to what they have because they're convinced what they have is just never enough. And so one of the things that I believe is so important is for us to realize that when we come to that place that we're willing to let go of what, the, what it is that maybe we're holding on to, then that is what releases God's supernatural blessing and favor and protection and provision in our lives. I love the story in first, excuse me, in, in Mark chapter um, 14. And, you know, one of the things I love about Jesus, Jesus was always, you know, hanging out with the people that were usually looked at, looked at as downcast or, or, you know, the rejects or, you know, people who, who, you know, who were just kind of like the kind of people you didn't want to associate with. So here he was hanging out with a guy by the name of Simon, Simon the leper. And so here he is, he'd already healed, you know, Simon and changed his life. So he's in his home. And so as he's in this home, there's a woman that comes and this 
this woman had already had this encounter with Jesus. Most believe that she was a former prostitute, but yet Jesus forgave her, restored her, and as a result, her life had been changed. And so in this moment, Jesus is at the home of Simon, and this woman comes, and she literally takes an alabaster jar of a very expensive perfume. And what does she do? She literally takes that perfume, and she pours that perfume on the head of Jesus. And Judas, who was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, who happened to be the treasurer, okay, the guy who was the bean counter keeping track of all the money, here is the issue. He began to rebuke this woman because he saw it as a waste. He said, man, why in the world would you waste that expensive perfume when we could have sold it and taken that money and given it to the poor? And yet, what did, what, did, what did Jesus do? Jesus said, because of what she gave out of her heart of devotion, because of her worship, because she was de- devoted to worship me and to give me her very best, her act of extravagant generosity, generosity will be talked about throughout the entire world through the end of time. And here we are talking about that single act of one's extravagant generosity. And then we all know what happened to Judas because he had a scarcity mindset, a bag mindset because he was trying to hold on to what he had because it was never enough. Well, we know what he did. He negotiated a deal, 30 pieces of silver to portray Jesus. So much so, once he became aware of what he actually did, what did he do? He went and hung himself and took his own life. You see, it's sad and unfortunate that many people live their whole life with a bag mentality because they're convinced they just don't have anything to give. The second mindset that I want to share with you today, which, by the way, let me just share this verse of Scripture. This is so good. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 2 through 6, and it says, You will experience all these blessings if, notice there's a condition here, if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. And the offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. And wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. And so let me ask you a question. How many of you want to be blessed? We all want to be blessed. So here's the key to living a blessed life, which leads me to the second mindset, and that is what I call a basket mindset, which is I have more than enough. So if you want to be blessed, we have to have the understanding, the mindset that God has graciously blessed me, and because he's blessed me, when I return back to him, when I give back, whether it's through monetary purposes, whether it's through my time, my talents, whatever I'm giving back as a devotion extravagant generosity, whatever that might be, guess what God promises? In return, because of our faithful obedience, he's going to bless us even more. So in other words, God takes what we give and he uses it and he multiplies it, multiplies it. Why? Because he has blessed us so that we can be an even greater blessing to other people. You see, God is a God of abundance. God's not a God of scarcity. God is a God of abundance. And because of that, God can always take care of us. He not only can take care and provide for us, he can protect us. Why? Because it's in his heart to make sure that we are blessed. 
So here's what I want to share with you. There's a powerful um, story in the book of 1 Kings. I would encourage you to read this in more detail in chapter 17, where the prophet Elijah had um, come into this, this village, and there was a widow who was out gathering some sticks. And so Elijah asked her, as she was out gathering some sticks, if, if, if she could give him something to drink. And so she agreed to do so. And so after she gathered her sticks, she, she's walking back toward her home. And he said, by the way, could you bring me some bread when you come back? And she said, sir, she said, I'm telling you, I have nothing left. She said, all I have in my home is a little bit of flour and a little bit of olive oil. And he said, go back and do what you have said and bring me the first of what it is that you bake. So she goes back and she takes that, the only flour. In fact, here's what she was getting ready to do. She literally was getting ready to take her last meal. And she told Elijah, she said, after we eat our last meal, me and my son are going to go out and basically prepare to die. But he told her to go and to prepare the meal and then bring him some of the bread. And when he did, when, when she did that, here's what happened. He told her to go back because there was going to be an abundance of bread and oil that was going to be in those containers that would supply every need that she and her son would ever have. And that's exactly what God did. You see, God took her faithfulness and her obedience, even when it didn't make sense, but God took what she gave and he turned it around and multiplied it and blessed it. And as a result, because of his abundancy, her life was not only spared, but her and her son's life was blessed forever. And so that's just the kind of God that we serve. You see, when we're faithful with the little that we have in our bag, because in our mind we say, well, that's just, that's not very much. God's not, he, listen, he's not, he's not into the amount. What he's into is your heart. What he's into is your faithfulness. What he's into is your obedience. What he wants, he said, hey, if you're unwilling to be faithful in the little things, then why in the world would I entrust you to even greater things? So it really comes down to an issue of faithfulness and obedience and having that extravagant generosity that's within our heart to be willing to trust God to be God, even when it doesn't make sense. You remember the story of, you know, the disciples and Jesus, you know, it was Jesus, the miracle of the 5,000. And so here's Jesus out with his disciples and they'd been out there all day and it was getting late and people were getting tired and hungry. And so the disciples told Jesus, hey, these people are getting hungry. It's getting late. So sun's going down. We need to send them back home so they can get, go, you know, get Chick-fil-A before they close. And so here they are, you know, they're getting ready to, you know, to, to, to leave. And, and, and then Jesus, you know, told the disciples, he said, hey, he said, you know, bring me what, whatever is around. And all that was around was there was this little boy who had five loaves of bread and two fish. And the disciples were thinking, there's 5,000 plus people here. How in the world? Many scholars believe there's upwards to 20,000 people in the audience that day. And they're thinking, there's two fish, five loaves. There's no way we can do this. And what did they do? They gave, the little boy gave his little basket of fish and bread. He gave all he had. And what did he do? He gave it to the disciples. And then Jesus did what? He blessed it and then he multiplied it. And here's what's interesting. After all those people got fed, there were 12 baskets left over. And many people want to know what's the significance of the 12? Well, some believe, and I believe this, 
that the reason why there were 12 baskets left over is so that all 12 of those disciples could take their own doggy bag back home with them to serve as a tangible reminder of our abundant God who takes what we give, multiplies it to meet needs that we could never, ever meet on our own. Why? Because we serve an abundant God. So he's just wanting our faithfulness. He's wanting our extravagant generosity so that we can be life lifters. But it requires moving beyond a bag mentality to a basket mentality of saying, I have more than enough. But there's a third mentality. I want to close with with this, and that is a mindset, and that is this, and that is what I call a barn mindset. And what is the barn mindset Say, What's, What kind of perspective or mindset does a person have with a barn mindset? Well, their attitude is, I have way more than enough. And so go, they go beyond just, you know, I'm good to know I have far more blessings. I, God has blessed me in ways that I could never, ever, in many ways, give back. And so here's what I want to share with you. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. And I just believe that when we're faithful in the little, when we have that heart of generosity, where we give with extravagant generosity, all that we have and realize that God's going to take what I give, whether it's my time, my schedule, my finances, my words, whatever it is, God's going to take it and he's going to multiply it and he's going to use it to touch the lives of other people. So here's the thing I want you to understand. We all have one of these three mindsets. And my question to you is this, are you one of those who is holding on to what you have because you're convinced it's not enough? Are you living in fear? Do you, do you feel in many ways like you're paralyzed by fear that if you, hit, if you give, there won't be enough left over to take care of your own needs? Or are you one of those who perhaps moved from that to maybe that area of maybe the basket mindset of saying, you know what, God's blessed me. And, you know, because he's blessed me, you know, I've watched him. I've seen him, you know, provide. I've seen him multiply what I have given. Or are you maybe at a place in a season in your life? And there are those who God has really just blessed in a very powerful way. In other words, maybe you have the gift of giving. That's one of your spiritual gifts. And it's like everything you've put your hand to, just as the old saying goes, literally turns to gold. And you're one of those whom maybe you've been blessed and you've been fortunate And God has taken your wisdom. He's taken your sound financial biblical principles that you've put in practice in your business and your home. And God has honored that. And you have nice things and you've been able to enjoy the comfort because of the success that God has given you and the blessings that he's given you. But here's my question to you. My question to you is, have you ever considered about giving to an even greater level when it comes to making an even greater impact for kingdom causes. In other words, we can only have so many cars. We can only have so many houses. We're going to have only so many different things. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But here's the bigger question. I believe two of life's most important questions are this. Number one, who am I living for? And number two, what am I living for? Am I living for myself or am I living for Christ? 
Am I living for the temporal things of life or am I living for the eternal things of life? I saw someone visually draw a dot and then draw a line connected to that dot. And the dot represents this, you know, one and only life that we have that might last 75, 80 years, whatever the Lord gives us. And that's the here and the now. That's the temporary aspect of our life. But the line represents forever, for eternity. And God wants us to be in a place and a position with a barn mindset of saying, you know what? I have way more than enough. And because of God's blessings and his provision in my life, I want to give to make an eternal difference and impact on the lives of people, the souls of men and women and teenagers and boys and girls. That's going to last and live forever. And so here's this question. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, Jesus told this story, and I want to close with this. He said, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who would get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. So therefore, what God desires of us He wants us to be rich toward him. He wants us to be rich towards the spiritual things, the eternal things that's going to last forever. You know, what does it profit a man, the Bible says, to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So at the end of the day, we can have all the blessings of life, but if we are spiritually poor, if we spiritually do not have a relationship with God, then what good does it all really do? So today... I want to ask you, where are you at? Do you have a bag mindset, a basket mindset, or a barn mindset? Are you one who's still holding on? Or are you one who's maybe moved beyond that and said, you know what, everything I have belongs to God. God's the owner of it all. And I'm going to take what he's entrusted to me, and I'm going to sow it. I'm going to invest it. I want to be a life lifter, an extravagant giver so that I'm not just living for the here and now, the temporal things, but I want to be rich towards God that's going to last forever because I want to take as many people to heaven as I possibly can. That's the spirit of a life lifter. And I want to encourage you to embrace that heart of being an extravagant giver. And so today, would you do me a favor and just bow your head and close your eyes and As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, uh, right where you are, let me just invite you just in the quietness of your heart and in this moment, can I just encourage you to ask yourself the question, am I living for the line? Am I living for the eternal things? Or am I living for the dot? Am I living for myself? Or am I living for God? Am I rich toward God in the way that I give of my time, my talent, my treasures, For some of you, maybe today you just need to ask God, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you just need to ask God, God, help me to move from where I am to that next step that you want me to be. 
And whether it's moving from a bag mindset to a basket mindset or from a basket mindset to a barn mindset, you just ask God to help give you the faith to move and take that next step. Some of you here today, maybe you have everything in life. And unfortunately, you still feel empty. Maybe you're at a place where you think, you know, I've tried everything, but there's still something missing in my heart. Can I just say to you, what that missing piece is, is a relationship between you and God, your creator. And what he wants more than anything is he just wants a relationship with you. He wants your heart. You know, you know the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, what's important to you is going to be a reflection of your heart. And so my question to you is, is God the most important area of your heart? And if he's not, I want to invite you right here, right now to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You can pray something like this. You can say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner and I turn from my sin. Jesus, today, I'm asking you to come into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Now, if you prayed that prayer just then, here's what I want you to do. I want you right now to get your phone out, if at all possible, and here's what I want you to do. Just look at me. I want you right now to text that number. I want you to text me. Just text me on that, that number on the screen. Just text me and just say, I decided. Okay, just put, I decided. Just text that number there on the screen, those words, I decided. And we want to shoot you a little form. It's real quick, and you fill it out, and there's a little digital download that will be coming your way in your inbox. And it's a little tool that we put together called Rethinking Life Every Day. And so if you'll just text that number, let me know you prayed that prayer. It'd mean the world to me if you do that. And so if you'd be so kind, make sure you fill out that form. Just click submit. Make sure you get it back to us, and we'll get you that little booklet. And then also, I want to conclude by saying this. If you are, maybe you're, you're at a place where you have never given financially and it scares you to death. You are terrified with that thought. Trust me, we've been there. I've been there. But can I just say this? I would encourage you today to put God to the test. It's the only area in all the Bible. You read it for yourself. Malachi chapter three, verses nine and 10. Listen, God says, put me to the test. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to encourage you to put God to the test over the next 90 days. Just honor the Lord by giving him your first and your best. The Bible calls it the tithe. Give God the tithe over the next 90 days and just watch what God will do. And here's what I guarantee you. If all hell breaks loose, I mean, you find yourself in the worst financial position you've ever been in in your life over the next 90 days because you have given then you let us know we will give 100% of your money back. And the only reason why I say that is because it is not about the money. It's about what God wants to do in and through your life when you put your faith and your trust and your dependency upon him to meet your every need. Let me tell you something. God says, test me. Let me prove it to you that I will open up the windows of heaven and I will bless you in a way far beyond anything you could ever imagine. So if you're willing to take that test, then go to our website, go to RethinkLife.com and just slash give. And there's a page there that will walk you through on how you can begin that 90 day challenge or just put 90 day in the little text there. We'll send you um, on that number there. We'll send you a little form. But listen, we 
want to help you begin becoming that person who has the heart of being an extravagant giver. Well, we can't wait till next week for part three of our series called Life Lifters.